2: Hope you had a great weekend, because it was a great weekend of racing, that's for sure. Well, coming up on the show, uh, we're going to have Mike Penna, who is the uh, president of Horse Racing Network Radio. Uh, He started the company, he works, he covers all the big races. I happened to run into him at Keeneland on their big day on Saturday and said, Mike, I don't think I've had you on the show. He said, I'd love to be on it. He's an Eclipse Award winner for covering the Breeders' Cup. He's got a great passion for racing, so I'm very uh, much looking forward to talking to Mike Pena. And then a gentleman we've had on before, uh, when something's happening in Ohio, uh, we like to talk to our friend Rich Ruda. If you've ever watched the Thistledown simulcast program, you've seen Rich for 10 years, the co-host, or no, the host of that, the show up there, and, and several times I've had the opportunity to co-host uh, both the Best of Ohio and the Ohio Derby with Rich. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy to be around and a pretty darn good handicapper. What's going on this week is it's going to be the biggest week of racing or day of racing in Ohio at Belterra Park. Five stakes races totaling seven Now, this is America's newest racetrack, and they have attracted what's called the Best of Ohio's Series, which is Ohio's Breeders' Cup. And uh, we're going to take a look at all of these races because there's going to be not only a pick four on these races, but there's going to be a pick five on these races. And I also know that our friends at the Daily Racing Forum are featuring uh, the Best of Ohio uh, tomorrow. Uh, Dan Illman, uh, who's been on the show, and Matt uh, Bernier, who I hope to get on the show, two of their top handicappers, are totally focusing in on the Best of Ohio. So it could be a very, very interesting day, and both Rich and I know a lot of the players involved and we'll give you as much background information as we can well the big news but not the good news of the week is that two-time horse of the year cigar arguably the greatest racehorse of the 1990s and already inducted into the national racing hall of fame he died tuesday he was 24 i just saw him uh, Oh, a couple months ago up at the Kentucky Horse Park, uh, he he lived there. When they found out he really couldn't be a stallion, uh, he had uh, surgery earlier in the week to fix a vertebrae issue in his neck that had been causing him discomfort. Actually, for the last couple of years, they decided to get it uh, fixed. And uh, Country Life Farm, where he was born, put out a statement it said he made it out of surgery fine at 6.30, and as the vets were monitoring him in his stall, he lifted his head, exhaled, and died. And we're thankful it was peaceful and quick, and he did not suffer. So uh, the, the great cigar, uh, ju- just remember, uh, he was uh, bred by Alan Paulson, the son of Pallas Malice. Started out with Alex Hassinger and they uh they thought with well, his breeding this horse has to be a great turf horse. Well, they turned him over to the care of Bill Mott and Bill decided to make a switch Late in his four-year-old season, Sigar became one of the sport's biggest attractions during a 16-race undefeated streak that spans from 1994 to 1996. I mean, this included wins in in the Grade One Breeders' Cup Classic, the Naira Mile Handicap, which eventually was named after Cigar, the Cigar Mile, Uh, the Oaklawn Handicap, the Pimlico Special, the Hollywood Gold Cup, the Woodward, the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Twice he won the Don Handicap and the Mass Cap. You know, this is certainly a horse that did not have to carry his uh, racetrack uh, with him. And who could ever forget the 1995 Breeders' Cup victory, Tom Durkin, as he came down the stretch, the unconquerable, the invincible, the unbeatable cigar. <laughs> they featured that when uh, Tom Durkin was re- retired up at Saratoga. It was uh, absolutely uh, sensational. Um, his big streak uh, ended with a second-place finish at Darren Go in the 96 Pacific Classic at Del Mar. Um, tying the horse with Triple Crown winner, Citation at 16, Wins in a row, but he did come back to win the, his second edition of the Woodard Stakes by four lengths in his final victory. Uh, Cigar, if you tally it up, retired with 19 wins and 33 starts. He was sound for four seasons of racing for earnings of $9.999 million. Uh, That was a record that stood until Curlin surpassed it back in 2008. He was supposed to be a stallion at his retirement at Ashford Stud, um, and he was booked, obviously, to the greatest mares in the world. uh, But what they found out, that Cigar was infertile. Didn't get any of the 34 mares he covered pregnant during that 97 breeding season, and it triggered a 25 million infertility settlement from an Italian insurance company, and uh, back in 1999 is when he took up residency at the horse park, so truly uh, one of the greats, an absolutely handsome horse, hope you got a chance to see him race, uh, truly will be missed. Well, uh, a couple of horses that are coming off the track, but are going to find a great home, that's right, at Old Friends with Michael Blowen. the dude is retiring two old friends. Game On Dude is already in town. I do believe he's going to be uh, sequestered for a while, and then uh, they're going to have some parties and open it up uh, to the public. Uh, He's the only horse ever to capture three runnings of the Santa Anita Handicap. His uh, big cap victory in 2004, his final win, came at a near American record time of 1 minute 58.17. Fastest time in the race is 79 Year history. Also, he's the only, the second horse in history to sweep California's three grade one handicaps the Santa Anita Handicap, the Hollywood Gold Cup, and the Pacific Classic. So you will get a chance, if you're near Georgetown, Kentucky, to see Game on Dude. And you can also visit another Breeders' Cup winner. Sprinter Amazombie uh, has also been moved with Game On Dude, two old friends. So uh, they say that uh, that he's doing great, but it'll just bring more attention uh, to the farm. Uh, Michael Blown, of course, I was a big fan of Amazon zombies. And... Uh, so, again, if you're near Georgetown, Kentucky, uh, not only can you visit the Dude, but who uh, won 12 of 29 races and just, just shy of $2 million. Uh, two great horses uh, going to a great farm. Now, if you stuck around and got up early on Sunday, depending on what part of the country you live in, uh, you got to see the Arc de Triomphe and the winner, Trev, who won her second consecutive edition of the Arc de Triomphe. It's already been announced that she's been retired from racing and will join the broodmare band of owner Sheik johan Al-Tayin in 2015. Uh, quite a, a uh, accomplishment for any horse to win that uh, twice. Well, I've got so much to go on. I've got some more news, not all the good, a lot of it interesting. But I want to get to some of the races we handicapped with Keeneland Dan Cronin last week. Big weekend, Fall Stars, All Stars at Keeneland. Kicked off, though, on Friday with the Darley Alcebates. And the three horses, again, now this is for two-year-olds going a mile and a sixteenth. They all came from out of the clouds. And the winner was the mystery horse we talked about, Peace and War, a war front Philly, That had never raced in the United States, had only raced in England but did have a first and a second was getting lay six the first time uh, Julia Le Peru was up one at twenty three to one in the second spot was Dan's top pick top decile at five to one and third was the ten page who was let go at sixty four to one Hope you had to try eight thousand two hundred eighty and then kicking off the Saturday card. What a card. It was no, nay, never. Taking the Woodford presented by Keeneland Select, the Grade 3 Woodford. It's a 5.5 on the grass. Wesley Ward, this guy, truly amazing. Now, this horse, you just think about it. Broke its maiden at Keeneland on the poly track. Then goes over to Ascot. Wins the Grade 2 Norfolk Stakes, uh, going 5 on the turf. Then stres- stays over in Europe. And wins at Deauville in France in the grade one, Darley-Prix-Mornay. Then came over here, ran second in the swale, decided to turn it back on the turf. No, nay, never gets the job done. Over 50-6 to to one shot, Mongol Bull and Sharp Sensation. An interesting horse. It'll be interesting to see where no, nay, never ends up next time. And then it was the Thoroughbred Club of America. Uh, Kind of a surprise here was a... uh, A Canadian invader, Lee Court, who had only made one start all season in the Grade 3 Seaway Stakes, but won that at seven furlongs. Gary Boulanger, uh, who's the regular rider, came in with Lee Court, got away, went four wide on the turn, just pulled away by three. So let's be looking for that horse in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Uh, Second was Southern Honey. Third, the even-money favorite, Stone-tastic, who was pressured the whole way by Lee Court in that, in that sprint. Then we went on to the one-mile turf, the First Lady. What a weekend Johnny V had. Day at the Spa gets the job done, and Day at the Spa took over in the lane. You might remember we mentioned the Day at the Spa, the Chad Brown t- trainee was second in this race last year. Better Lucky was second by a neck over the favored Flimby. Uh, the action just kept rolling at Keeneland with the Breeders' Futurity. Have we seen greatness? Well, this horse has been getting hyped the, the whole time since before he even started. From the Pletcher Barn, $1.6 million baby, Carpe Diem, sees the day and sees the race, pulled away by six and a half lengths, and in there, second was Mr. Z, kind of an easy winner, over Bold Conquest. And then, of course, the Shadwell Turf Mile, the one everybody was, uh, was, was waiting for. Wise Dan, did the Baruch take too much out of him after that long layoff? No, it didn't. Now, it didn't break real well, and Johnny V had to kind of fight him to get him back there. It looked like he was in a box most of the way down the back stretch. Ended up going six wide. Could have been hanging a little bit at the head of the lane. I don't know if I would have taken a bet on him, but all of a sudden he exploded and just swept by the pace setters and won by a length over Grand Arch and Say Sayad. So, Wise Dan, what an unbelievable horse, an unbelievable moment. Uh, there, there were cheers and tears. It was just fantastic to see this two-time horse of the year. Uh, And then uh, earlier in the uh, the week, there was the Phoenix Stakes that kicked off the stakes. And uh, the winner there was work all week. Well, a lot of good races. Let me see if I can just squeeze a couple more in. Don't want to uh, let my friends on the East Coast think that I'd forgotten all about them. At Belmont Park in the Champaign, Daredevil, an easy win. Javier Castellano in the saddle for Todd Pletcher. Uh, Second was Upstart. Third at 18-1 was The Truth or Else. And then we went on to the Grade 3 Hill Prince. The winner in there was Ring Weekend. And just squeeze a couple more in here before uh, I get to my friend Mike Penna. And again, uh, Keeneland on Sunday, the Bourbon, went to the Lawn Ranger, a son of U.S. Ranger, at 12-1 to over Denny Boy and Can't Happen Here. That parlayed into the spinster stakes. Close hatches, heavy favorite, showed speed, faltered to fourth. The winner was Don't Tell Sophia. Second, Rhea Antonio at 16-1, to who had the lead, had to steady a little bit. Molly Morgan was Third, then we go to New York Short Field in the futurity. The winner, number two, Blofeld, who was in the saddle. That's right, John Velasquez took back and then got clear inside over Hebronville and the pace setter Cinco Charlie. And then the girls' side of that story: the matron, the winner was Paula's Silver Lining, got up by one and a quarter lengths over number five, Skip the Loot. Third was everybody must get stoned. All right, well that's a look at the racing. There sure was a whole lot of it, and a guy that's seen a whole lot of great racing and brings it to us on the radio. Mike Penn is going to be up next. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty.
0: Hey, and with a guy I've been trying to get on the show for a while. He's a busy
2: man. He's all over the country. His name is Mike Penna. Uh, First started out co-hosting the popular Saturday morning equine forum talk show. And then in 2005, he partnered up to establish the Horse Racing Radio Network. If you listen to these airways, you know that I always try to tell you that if you can't make it to the races, to tune in to HRRN, and they'll be able to bring you all of the action. So uh, Mike's work has done so well that he's actually one of the many Eclipse Award winners we've been blessed to talk to here on Winning Pony. That was for this coverage of the 2010 Breeders' Cup World Championship. And then he also won the Old Hilltop Award by the Maryland Jockey Club, uh, and that honors those that uh, come out with the best Preakness coverage. So I could go on and on, but uh, I want to talk to you, Mike, and not just uh, hail your accomplishments. I just want to know one thing. Uh, How how do you squeeze in your radio show in addition to being a model for GQ Magazine?
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, let me tell you something. You talk about accomplishments, John. uh, You don't have to take a back seat to anybody because you took a photo of me the other day in the paddock at Keeneland, and, you commented on social media that it has now gone viral, and I think you're right. It, it was, trust me, it should get an Eclipse Award, because to find a good picture of me and to make you look good <laughs> in a photo takes a lot of work, and somehow you ended up doing it. So uh, kudos to you, my friend, and uh, yeah, that's posted all over social media now and, and getting all kinds of comments, so I appreciate it.
2: I hope I didn't get you in any trouble with your wife. I see a lot of girls chiming in on your Facebook page.
3: <laughs> Are you kidding me? I love it. <laughs> that doesn't happen what very man often wouldn't.
2: Well, I know what else you love is racing, and it's so wonderful to talk to somebody that's able to uh, pull their passion uh, in- into their-, their job because that way you never really go to work any day because you wake up and you're doing something you love. G- give uh, folks the background of you know how-, how you got the bug, like all of us uh, yep. in- taking place on or listening to this show got the bug somewhere along the line.
3: Yeah, well, I grew up in western Massachusetts, so I was about an hour and 10 minutes from Saratoga, and so I would spend most of the meat over in Saratoga, at least half of the meat anyways. I'd drive back and forth, and then I think the other half I was at least making it over to OTB, uh, which was just over the mountain, about 15 minutes from my house. So that's how I kind of got hooked on it. I can remember... Going to the races with my friends in 1989, um, and it was the Travers Stakes. An easy goer was running in the Travers that year, and he ended up winning. I think I had two bucks across the board on him, and I might have made back uh, for my six-dollar wager. I might have gotten back seven dollars and thirty cents, and I thought I had hit the lottery. And from then on, I was hooked on the sport of horse racing, and it's just kind of become a a passion of mine. I can not even remember going to Saratoga, not making a bet, I would just bring my camera, and believe me, I was not even half of the photographer that you are, but I would bring my camera and just snap pictures of horses in the post parade, and I still have the photo albums of all those horses, like Sky Beauty and and Capote Bell are some of the names that that kind of pop into my head. I, I still have those photo albums today.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, I've still, I, I've found some of my old ones at the Albany Times Union. I used to live there during the summers a lot. Um, would actually put the charts in every day. So I would take the charts and, and cut them and paste them on the back of these little photos I've had, you know, and, you know, Gamely winning the Alabama with Bill Shoemaker up. So I, I can relate to it and relate to uh, Saratoga and, and how it is so easy to fall in love with uh, the beauty that these horses give us. And then from there, as you you age a little bit you find out you know if you're savvy enough listen to the right guys and do your homework well uh you can actually uh, cash a bet every now and then so i've got to guess that, that you've taken that part of the program explain how you kind of piece together the the radio network and how you chose uh, kind of as the uh, the general manager some of the players that you've put together with you
3: yeah, it's funny you bring up cashing a bet, because I was never really known for that growing up. As a matter of fact, have you ever seen the movie A Bronx Tale? There's a character in there called The Mush, and they call him The Mush because everything he bets on turns to mush, and that was my <laughs> nickname growing up. I wasn't the, the luckiest of guys when it came to picking horses or picking games or whatever it might have been that we were trying to, to win with. Um, and, and so when I moved to Kentucky, Uh, back in the late 90s, it was around 97 when I came here. I I really didn't know anybody. I hadn't worked around horses, so I didn't know where I was going to end up. And I lucked out and got in with the jockey club and started working with their cataloging department for all of the horse sales. So that was good because I knew how to handicap, at least I thought I did. And then that taught me the pedigree side of things. After that, I did a couple of other things. I worked for Thoroughbred Times um, selling some advertising for them and then ended up at Keeneland in Horse ID, and there was a gentleman by the name of Pete Coolis who was eventually became my partner and my, my mentor, and Pete was doing a local talk show at Keeneland, and he interviewed me talking about what I did in Horse ID, and I at the time was actually handicapping, and I had a website that I wanted to advertise on his radio show, and he told me, he said, How about this? I have a better idea. Why don't you become my co-host and sit in with me for a while and see what you think i'm i'm looking for somebody to to banter back and forth with and it it just kind of grew from there and in 2005 we we started the um, the horse racing radio network and went to turfway went to churchill broadcast a couple of their big races we had one station here in kentucky then i can remember the day that we got a second station next to louisville it was in southern indiana but it served the louisville market and i thought Geez, I've made it. I've gotten the Louisville market. This is a really big deal, and and it was. And now we're working with uh, 140 stations around the country and Sirius XM satellite radio, and it's just kind of amazing to see where it's gone.
2: Well, uh, for some of our listeners that, that uh, have not had a chance to tune into Horse Racing Radio Network, um, d- describe kind of your format and the guys you work with and how you approach, uh, let's say, a big day at the races like last Saturday at Keeneland.
3: Yeah, we have a great team. Um, Kurt Becker, who is the announcer at Keeneland, you get a chance to hear him uh, during those races. He's a major part of our team. He sits in on all the the major broadcasts with me. Um, Another gentleman by the name of Jeff Bloom, who is a former jockey. He rode out uh, on the West Coast and up in Western Canada. He's come on board. Uh, Jude Feld, who you know, a good friend of mine, a big part of the network and helping us get started with everything. Um, But, yeah, basically... Um, I, I will be with another, uh, with usually with Kurt or with with, um, with Jeff Bloom or with Jude and we'll be in the broadcast booth and Sean Clancy, who is a former steeplechase, uh, steeplechase jockey and Eclipse yep, award-winning writer does a phenomenal job. He's usually out in the paddock for us doing pre and post-race interviews and it's a full production. It's a lot like you see on television, uh, with NBC. We'll kind of do that same thing, but we'll do it on the radio side.
2: Well, uh, obviously you do a great job. Anybody that gets to the point where they win an Eclipse Award, uh, it 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 doesn't get any better than that. Um, I must say, uh, I shared the chills with a lot of people this weekend. Um, How much fun was doing the Shadwell Turf Mile and Wise Dan?
3: Yeah, you talk about chills. It was a goosebump moment. And I heard you when you were going through all the results and you said that you wouldn't have had a bet on him at the top of the stretch. And I was with you because it didn't look like Wise Dan was going to fire at that point. He was, what, six lengths behind, and or at least he was in sixth position. He was at least five or six lengths back. And all of a sudden, he just made that run. And as you put it, I thought, appropriately, he exploded. And he ran by those horses like they were standing still in the final furlong. And it was so great to see him perform the way he did. Um, you know, here's a horse that's given the sport so much, and he owes us nothing. Uh, but he just does not know how to lose a horse race. And once again, he proved that he's all heart and all class.
2: Well, sp- speaking of class, I don't know where your broadcast booth was, was located if you were near an open window. But the response of the racing fans not only upon his uh, uh, trot back to the winner's circle, but after he was leaving by himself just with his groom was fantastic. I mean, the grandstand was shaking with appreciation. You just don't get that every race, every horse, every day. It really was an honor to be a part of that.
3: Yeah, it was very special. I could feel that. We were up in the press box area, and, and you could hear the applause. I couldn't feel the grandstand shaking, but I could certainly hear the the applause that Wise Dan got as he came back. And, you know, Keelan's so special, John. You know this. They applaud every winner of every race when they come back to the winner circle, whether it's a, a claiming horse or it's a grade one winner. But Wise Dan, there was something different about the applause that he got on Saturday and so well-deserved. Such a great story with Charlie Lepresti, Morton Fink, his owner, so many good storylines surrounding Wise Dan. And, of course, we wish him the best moving forward to the Breeders' Cup.
2: Well, I think we saw some, some very special horses, uh, on Saturday, uh, not only at, at, Keeneland, but, uh, on, on the East Coast as well. And now we've, we've got the, the great setup. In the Breeders' Cup Classic. I mean, uh, nobody with a crystal ball could have predicted early in the season how things were going to develop. You know, for a while there, it looked like California Chrome was going to eat them all up. Then we've had the sensational comeback of shared belief, and now we've got some top older horses that are really uh, turning into form. Uh, I guess uh, we will be following you out to the West Coast here in a couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, we'll head out there uh, about 10 days before the Breeders' Cup and start setting up and getting ready, uh, talking with some of the major players. And then we'll be outside at Santa Anita beginning the Wednesday morning prior to Breeders' Cup. And we'll start with our two-hour morning show called the Breeders' Cup Countdown. And we'll have that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. And then our exclusive radio coverage of, of both Friday and Saturday, every single Breeders' Cup race on the network. So it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Well, I'm sure that our listeners, after talking to you, want to make sure that that they tune in and catch all this, if they haven't already. Folks, get your pencils and paper ready, because I'm going to ask Mike to go slow, and tell our listeners how they get a chance to listen to your shows.
3: Well, the best thing they can do is go to our website, and they can visit the schedule page on our site, and all of the... SiriusXM channel information, any affiliate information, it's all listed right there on the site. So the website is horseracingradio.net, horseracingradio.net, and they can uh, they can listen live on the Internet. Uh, last year I think we had listeners in over 70 countries for the Breeders' Cup Week coverage and expecting to, to have those same listeners back on board again this year. And, again, it's all there for people at horseracingradio.net.
2: All right, well, that's easy enough to remember. Mike, I'm glad I finally got you on the show. I wish you nothing but the best of luck uh, down the road. I'm sure the the Breeders' Cup's going to be exciting and exhilarating, and I must say you you guys do a fantastic job at at, at bringing the sport inside the house and the computers of our listeners that maybe can't make it to a track or an off-track betting parlor.
3: Yeah, John, I'll echo those sentiments. Keep up the good work and uh, keep it rolling, and anytime you want to take a picture of me again, you're more than welcome.
2: I don't know if I'll ever get that lucky.
3: I'm a photographer, <laughs> not
2: a magician.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate it.
2: All right. We've been talking with Mike Penna, who established Horse Racing Radio Network back in 2005. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to come back to the most exciting day of racing at North America's newest racetrack, Belterra Park. 750,000 up for grabs over just five races. And we're going to hear from our voice from the north, the guy that's going to tell us about the Buckeye breads in the northern part of the state. We've had them on before, the one and only Rich Ruta. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy.
2: <laughs> NFL, MLB, 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 NBA, NHL,
0: speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth.
1: We ain't playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports. And they're off. What?
2: All right, and with me, a gentleman that's been on the show before. He's my expert analyst uh, from the Cleveland area for 10 years. Uh, You saw him uh, doing his analyst before the races at Thistledown, and his name is Rich Ruda. Rich, huge weekend on the heater down here in Cincinnati.
1: Wow, how about it, how about it? Belterra Park, and in its infancy, hosts, The best of Ohio, and it gets no better than that. I imagine everybody down by the river is totally excited. Five great races. The purses go up $750,000. This is nice to see for the horsemen, everybody involved in Ohio racing.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it really is, and and, and hopefully, uh, you know, I go back to to the the late '80s, early '90s, when the sport was really flourishing in the states, and mm-hmm. then uh, we didn't get interstate wagering, and the states around us did, so we kind of took a Tough shot in the arm there, and uh, then as those other states flourished, we started seeing our horses uh, leaving the state. And uh, now that we've got uh, extra revenue from the VLTs, I'm really thinking that this is going to be a shot in the arm. You know, I've had a chance to uh, visit several farms that are bringing in top stallions uh, for the first time ever. Uh, we're actually going to have races in the best of Ohio sponsored. By, uh, one is sponsored by Kettle Corn Syndicate, who's uh-huh. bringing in just an amazing Son of Candy Ride, the fastest Son of Candy Ride, retired to stud, of course, he being the of Shared Belief, uh, but uh, then another race is being sponsored by Fairwinds Farm, uh, who uh, have also brought in top stallions and have had Mercer Mill, who I think won 10 of the last 11 stallion records in the state, and they also brought in Stately Victor, a grade one winner, so You know, from what I'm seeing, they say the broodmare population is up 33 percent, that Ohio might be the place to be in the years ahead.
1: You know, it's very interesting you said that because our neighboring tracks, and we, we at Thistledown have four tracks right around us in other states. Their purses are going the way we don't want in horse racing purses to go. They're on a downswing. They've been cutting their purses. Uh, at Thistledown, now, our purses are at an all-time high. The horsemen are, are just loving what's going on there. Hope it continues. Hope it, it feeds down the Belterra and the new track up in uh, Youngstown. A lot of good things going on. And like I said, John, it's fun because now when you go into the racing office in the morning, there's a glide in everybody's stride. They're making some money. They're paying their bills. And you could tell everybody's looking. The claiming game is back in Ohio. I don't know if you, I've, I've noticed oh. it at Belterra. I've noticed it at Thistledown. You know, we went three, four years where nobody was claiming. Now, man, if you've got an Ohio brother that can run and you put them in for 5000 somebody's snatching them up.
2: Well, I tell you this, Rich. Uh, the stewards told me that in the first month of racing here, they claimed more horses than they had the whole year before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so that, it's that gives a win-win situation. I mean,
2: and, and we'll see as we get into this program that not only are they claiming horses at the track, but if you've got a nice Ohio bred that's racing in California or Canada, they're going to seek them out and bring them back to the state because now they can make their money back.
1: They'll find them, boy. If they're out there, they're going to find them. They're going to bring them in for just what we're talking about today. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some nice horses out in California, Ohio breds, New York. You'll find them there. You'll find them down in Florida. But if you got one and you run them for that $20,000, $25,000 tag and he or she can run, these best of Ohio races, man, you get your money back plus in one pop. So if there's a good one out there, they're looking. They're looking. And, and it's fun. It's fun for us, John, because we suffered. I mean, let's be honest. We suffered through some of the bad times. We watched accredited a Ohio bread really, really become almost extinct. And now we're going to see that come back and we're seeing these Ohio breads get better. And, you know, we used to have one or two or three farms in Ohio that bred and and took the bulk of this money out of the best of Ohio. And congratulations to them for doing so in a time that wasn't all that good. But now you're going to see more and more Annie and up in the pot and more players, more trainers getting in, more owners getting in. It's great. It's, The best of Ohio this year is great. I mean, look at the field size. It's fantastic. It's wonderful to see.
2: Absolutely. Well, we may get back to more of the philosophical ramifications of what's happening in Ohio. But right now, let's get back to maybe making some of our listeners some money that might not be familiar with the Ohio program. I called on you, you it, because buddy. pretty much it's split down the middle. It's basically the, the north against the south here. we got uh, the Belterra Park Horsemen, and we got the Thistledown Invaders. Uh, so I, I want to get your read on, on some of these horses. We'll start with uh, what is basically the Phillies Best of Ohio, but it was called the John Galbraith, who uh, uh-huh. was a central— Ohioan, of course, is known nationally. But uh, this race, for two-year-old fillies, uh, it looks to me I'm ha- having a hard time splitting two of them, and they're going to break yeah. from the inside. And that's yeah, they... ju- just a little they're... smoke and heat Transfer. I can make a case for for either of them, and the odds maker had a hard time. They got just a little smoke at five to two. Heat transfer at three to one. Now there's one other horse I like in here, but I'll save that for later in the conversation. So, Rich, uh, before I uh, give you my reasons why I like them, I want to hear who you like.
1: Well, you know, you're you're mentioning something that's that's really cool here. And John, we looked at the race kind of the same way. But there's a trainer that's down in the best of Ohio now. This guy's Michigan based, but you'll see him race in Indiana, you'll see him race at Finger Lakes. But you've seen a lot of them at Thistledown this year. He actually Indiana had their big day a couple about a week ago and Bobby Grum won a couple of stakes on that day as a trainer. Boy, I'll tell you what he is having a year of yours and and it's showing in his bank account. The guy is doing terrific, not only at Thistledown everywhere he's running. You mentioned just a little smoke, but uh and Jeffrey Scarette's coming in town to ride, and Jeffrey's having a really good year at Thistledown. I like the fact this horse had the uh out at Belterra the six foot long out. The mile and a 16, smoke lacking, two punch. I'm not crazy about that, John. I'm totally not crazy about that. My question to you, and we talked about this, I think, or, or thinking about it is, where is pyrite blue magnet? Because we saw pyrite blue magnet just destroyed at Tadah Stakes. I mean, yeah. just with a burst of speed and won that for fun. So where is that one? He transferred for me at an excuse last time out. You know, uh, a big excuse. When you stumble, let's face it, you're in trouble. He what good, a good trainer, Larry led. rebellious but I want bled, to know who's your third you. horse, John, because I, I struggled with this. He
2: he, he he bled, and I don't mean through the nose. His feet were bleeding when he came back. He grabbed a quarter uh-huh. when he stumbled coming out of the gate. Now, the question here is, and for our listeners, he ran third in the Tada behind pyrite blue uh, Magnet, I got to guess that that horse got a little hitch in his get along or she'd be here. Uh, the I was Heat transfer. Number one, we just put a line through that race. Or number two, you don't always come back real quick after grabbing a quarter. Uh, Tada was run August 31st, uh, you know, so it's had about, you know, six weeks to come back for that injury. Did this horse come back? Uh, Larry Ravelli, uh, has had a great meet here. Four starts, two wins, and a third. Uh, you know, it, it, that's just going to be a question mark. That, that's one of those great unknowns. And the other thing is it was run on a muddy, sealed track. Now, the weather report is going to be a little bit of rainy for the next two days, but they're saying it's going to clear out for Saturday. Hopefully, the gate guys can get this thing to, to a fast track. So, I just got so many question marks in my mind, you know, about, about heat transfer that, uh, you know... I, I, I just don't know which way to go. And the other thing that you mentioned that I failed to at the top of the uh, introduction to this race is these are all two-year-olds, you know, this mm-hmm. race and the juvenile, where these two-year-olds are going to be asked to go around two turns for the first time. So whether or not breeding or conditioning is going to enter into it will be very, very interesting. But I do notice that heat transfer does train up in Chicago, so he's not going to make the trip down here for the Skyline Chili.
1: Well, Larry has got a few on the card. I mean, he's bringing a couple of horses down. He does extremely well with the Ohio Breds. He, he latches on the summy. He does very, very well with them. But this is, John, this is another filly that I'm looking at that breeding and that Maria's Mon and Leighton Heat, and I'm thinking, how far does this girl want to go? That's the key to me in this race. I mean, that is totally the key. Then you've got some maidens coming in here that you know you, that are bred to go this far. But you mentioned, and I'm going to ask you again because this is a race that kind of gave me a little, you know, a little stick. When you're looking for a winner, sometimes things don't go your way because, you, you know, you're trying to set up the race. Well, if those two horses go at each other early, who's going to benefit? And it looks like they're going to be on top of each other.
2: Well, then I'll tell you who benefits. If you could put a line through its last race is that horse I mentioned that I was going to bring up, and that's Savings and Roan. Mike Maker, as you know, is known Mm -hmm. on the national racing scene. He's got his hands on a nice Ohio bread here uh, by exchange rate, $20,000 stud. This horse sold for $50,000. Um, I think that he's the one that, that's, that's laying in wait. And when you look at its first two races, it came from off the pace, uh, put in a, a good run against these horses in the Miss Ohio, up at Thistledown. I, they, they tried blinkers last time and caught the muddy track. I'm surprised to see the blinkers not coming off. But I think if you've got to fear the top two horses we're talking about, I think it comes from savings and roan.
1: Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you. I don't fear the top two horses, John. And, and, and this is the the thing with me with these fillies. There's there to me. There's just a the distance thing with those two horses, and that's one of the reasons. Just a little smoke appealed to me a whole lot. Going the six furlongs at Belterra, running at Thistledown in the Cleveland Kindergarten, and then I, you know, I kept going when they tried this, and I figured they were going to try this filly going long in the Galbraith. I said. I don't know if she's going to go long. I really don't think she is. I, I hope she does. She's a nice horse. I hope she gets the best trip she can get. But it looks to me like she's going to get set on top of. She wants to be up close. Not a great place to be when two or three horses want to be up close. And Savings and Roan, where's she going to be? Well, she's not going to be up close. She's going to be sitting and waiting. And that kid that's riding Savings and Roan for the first time
2: Alvin can, finish on
1: a, can finish on a racehorse. Can finish on a racehorse.
2: Yes he, yes, he can. He, he won the title over at Turfway Park over the winter. Well, we're trying to mm-hmm. handicap a pick five here, so Rich and I are going to have to move along, and we'll go to the other baby race, and that is the juvenile, which is basically the boys. Same situation here is that these horses are going to be stretching out for the first time, uh, going to a mile and a, and a 16th. And uh, a guy in here that's no stranger to our national listeners is Steve Asmussen that's coming in with a horse by the name of Unbridled Graduate, about the only one in the field, is the only one in the field, that's had any distance experience in a maiden special weight, 32,000, ran second at Indiana on a sloppy sealed track, did run a strong second in the Cleveland kindergarten, and only was beaten two and a half lengths in the Hoover Stakes, so it's had a trip over the track. Uh, is he the one to beat, or does your friend Tim Ham? Have another explosive Colton's hands with True All Along.
1: Yeah, I watched True All Along at on September 15th. The kid coming in the ride, Louis Cologne, really, really impresses me on a horse. sits could sit sit as nice as anybody on a horse. He's patient as heck. He knows what he's doing. Uh, Tim, Tim, you know what I like about this horse the dam slide along i think you remember slide along john we saw yes, some of the best races in ohio would slide along and pay the man when them two were in their heyday you know i mean we um, slide along was just a monster you know she was she was as good as good could be tim's got a nice horse in here how about john how about draw an eye? you know more about jim rankin than i do and i saw this horse at Prescott downs when and went for fun with huber via Gomez aboard He's going down to Cincinnati to ride. This one's been trying some very good company. If we could draw a line through the August 5th, 9th race at Thistledown with John I, this horse is something to me to contend with.
2: Well, yes, he is, but I'll give you my sleeper, and that horse by the name of Dayton Demo. He is a... Accredited Ohio, Brad by Mercer Mill, but his mayor E Golden Honey could run, and I do believe she ran long. I think you've got to throw out the loyalty where he finished behind Mound. Uh, he acted up in the starting gate, and Rodney Prescott said, "You know, after that happened, he just kind of came unraveled for whatever reason." Uh, but his his debut, he won by thirty lengths here and did it under wraps. He's going to break from the one hole. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it'll give him some position. So, you know, if I'm going to put somebody in with unbridled graduate and true all along, my, my upset horse, I'm not sure what the odds will be, will be Dayton Demo.
1: You know, you mentioned Fairwind Farms, and I could see they held on to this one. So they must they must think pretty highly of the two year old. You know, the, the colt seems to to be on their list anyway. I, I you know, Mercer Mill, E Golden Honey, there's some really nice breeding there. The inside post I like, especially when they're going, you know, the first turn's coming up quick, and Rodney Prescott's so good. But Dougie Collins, twenty nine for sixty at Beltara. is that unbelievable or what?
2: yeah what trainer in the country wouldn 't train for him or or for jeff greenhill 's record well let's let 's move along now we 'll sprint to the sprint. Uh, it looks to me you know in the old days, everybody used to try to stretch out rich uh, uh-huh. if, if you had a colt, because the the endurance usually was much richer than the other races, and uh, the sprint was one of the lesser ones now they're all one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and uh That just uh, kind of tells us that some of these horses might have been someplace else. I think Rivers' run deep has decided that he's probably a little bit better sprinting after getting beat in the Cleveland Gold Cup. I think if in this stretch out of the pick four or the pick five, got a single horse, he's already won two stakes at Belterra. I think he's the single. You want to change my mind?
1: You know what I I want to do, and just to reiterate to, to what you're saying, Diboletto is the defending champion in here and goes to Penny Roan. I, I, I know there's a microphone Penny Roan connection there. to you know, it's family and it's not that much of a barn move, but Diboletto gets, uh, per use And all I could tell you is every time I watch Belterra, I see this guy getting his picture taken in the winter circle. I saw River Runs Deep when he threw a flat out clunker at thistledown. I thought, and I, I think I, he got set you, up, you know, need more flattery to Philly beat him that day and beat him pretty good and, and I mean he struggled. He struggled to get over the line that day. He was he was he was all in by the time they got to the mile.
2: Yeah but maybe he's a leader he today to be a better six I think that's a wise move.
1: Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean you know, we saw him at Belterra on the green carpet. Boom. He wins like a champ, but the race before the tall stack, the first time in Ohio was ultra ultra impressive. Wow, was he good? And I got to talk to Love Jarrett Loveberry after, because he came up to Thistle down the ride for a couple months, and he told me this one's the real deal. So if you if you're gonna, say, you know what, this might be besides him and maybe Devaletto and Candy Bites. This might be one of the weakest fields for the Sprint we've had for $150,000. We never raced for $150 in the Sprint, but the re- it comes up a little light. So, if you're singling, do I think you probably got a, you probably got a real good shot there to single, John? Yes, I agree.
2: All right. Well, I've only got a couple minutes left, and now we're getting our two biggest races with the most competitive horses. We're going to start with the best of Ohio distaff. Again, perhaps if someone wanted to single a horse it would be Need More Flattery. She's beaten the boys. She was last year's horse of the year. I think it's interesting that uh, Tim Hamm and his connections did not decide to get greedy and go in the scarlet and gray. They, so mm-hmm. they let the other horses kind of bang their head in that one, and that was a toughly contested race. I think this race sets up for Need More Flattery.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. I mean, Erwin Rosendo, who's, ri- who's going to ride moved his tack to Zia Park about a month ago. I mean, he's he's coming to Cincinnati to ride this, this filly, and she's been super. I mean, there's no question um, she's just been super. I mean, it's awful hard to pick against her. Uh, we got a threesome from Lucha, Ronnie Luchones that that caviar and champagne's nice. Floral Skies, okay. Willow Rwando will set some fractions in here. But I think the faster Willow Wando goes, which is to set up the fractions in here, I think it just plays into the hands of Need More Flattery. But I'm going to give you a horse and a guy that that I really think is doing well at Disseldown. Charlie Williams owns some horses at Disseldown. Sandy Atkins is a trainer of Crafty Blue Cat. This horse is getting better and better and Charlie couldn't wait to stretch him out. He didn't, he couldn't handle Need More Flattery the first time they tried each other. Maybe maybe he'll be a little better today if he likes to track. And I do like the fact Walter Dela Cruz is going down the ride. So that's a great race, but we're seeing a champion that need more flattery. And don't forget, she won the race last year by 18 lengths, and they took the purse away from her. Her record will even be more impressive. So Tim Hamm's got a flat-out monster in there. How about the best yeah. of all Endurance, John?
2: And, and also, for for our listeners, you know, uh, Ron Pelliuccio, who runs Looch Stable, uh, if if you don't put the one entry in your exotics, I think you're crazy.
1: Yeah, he, he's an amazing guy, ain't he? I mean, he's good for Ohio. You know, we're seeing him with Rio Antonio. We're seeing him in, in all the big tracks running horses. But Ronnie is an Akron, Ohio guy. When he's in town, he comes a thistledown down. He'll do anything for you, anything to make the game better. He's investing his money in the sport that he loves and the things he likes to do, and you know what, he's just a great, great guy to have in Ohio Racing.
2: Well, uh, I was on the phone with him last night, and he wasn't really sure that his horse was getting in the endurance, but in fact uh, he is. But uh, sixteen horses were entered, but uh, because of his earnings he got his sad part is he 's got dubacious in here he's going to be parked on the outside. I think uh-huh. this horse is extremely dangerous but for people that don't know, there's two horses in here that are absolutely that are stable at Belterra. Love Belterra, and that's Silver Tongue and Fuzzy DJ. Silver Tongue, of course, went up the Thistle Down as a two-year-old, won the Best of Ohio Juvenile. Uh, since then, he's become Ohio's Silky Sullivan. Just went up the Thistle Down and won the mile and a quarter Governor's Buckeye Cup. The Best of wow. Ohio Endurance is a mile and a quarter. This is this horse's distance. On the other hand, Fuzzy DJ. To attest to how much he loves Belterra Park, holds the track record here for a mile and a sixteenth. He set it this year. I see this setting up as kind of a two-horse silver tongue fuzzy DJ race, as long as Storm and Larry doesn't steal the damn thing, and we still don't know how good Dubacious is.
1: Yes, Storm and Larry hit a hit a wall last time out at Thistledown. I mean, he did hit a wall. He was cruising. Uh, th- I don't think he went a little too fast too early. He was just doing what he does and getting out on the front end. But boy, when he hit the wall, he hit it because he looked like a winner turning for home. And all of a sudden, that you know, that mile and a quarter distance is so tricky for these horses. John, I will tell you, who was impressive last time out at Thistle? town was plain old Bullard in the Cat Launch. I mean, he came from way back and came running. Um I I know he's had his trouble with Silver Tongue, then Fuzzy DJ. But boy, he was impressive, and Anthony Lowry's got him on top of his game, and Noel Vigil, Noel Vigil can ride. I think the fast. I think they need speed to help the horses we're talking about up front, and I don't know how much they're going to get it unless Storm and Larry goes and and does the same thing he did last time. But Scotty speeds aboard this time, and Scotty's got a clock in his head, and he's not going to do anything crazy. But. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you what. We could talk all night, Jen. He said, if this is just a great five races, and I love talking about them.
2: It, it really is. We're talking with Rich Ruda, who everybody knows from Thistledown. By the way, Plano Willard, if you're talking about uh – Looking for a long shot. He's listed on the morning line at 20-01. Well, my producer, Michael, is kind of giving me that old, John, I love Rich, but we've got to wrap it up. And I love Rich, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again in person sometime. I hope you have a blast uh, uh, betting these races, and when they're over, I'm going to give you a call back and see uh, just how well we did on uh, some of our prognostications, shall we say.
1: We're building our pick five around River Runs Deep. Don't forget that, John.
2: And don't forget, need more flattery, in my opinion. I think those two horses you could play strong and maybe go a little bit deep and put Rich's plain old Willard in there at 20 to 1 and get a price. So, Rich Ruta, thanks so much for being with us on Winning Ponies. I want to also thank. Uh, our friend Mike Penna, who, of course, I hope you'll be listening to as we get closer to the Breeders' Cup. So as I sit here in the grandstand overlooking the manicure turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I remind everybody, bet with your head,
0: not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.